Hello, everyone. We are thrilled to present our Holy Name Sisters Women on a Mission podcast. I'm Sister Teresa Shields. I live in Seattle, Washington, and my co-host... Sister Mimi Maloney, and I live in Santa Cruz, California. Thank you, Mimi. Our guests today are two women who have been responsible for a beautiful ministry in Spokane, Washington, since the early 80s, Sister Carol Lee and Sister Joan Dixon. But before we fully introduce them and talk about their ministries, we will start with a prayer. Let us pray. Blessed Marie Rose de Roche, obtain for us today the audacity of faith, the simplicity of hope, and the power of love that we may actualize the words of Jesus. I have come to cast fire upon the earth, and would that it were already kindled. Amen. Thank you, Mimi. This morning, I looked on the website of Our Place Community Outreach, and I was so impressed by every word of it showed the respect for the people who come to get the services of Our Place. And it was so beautiful how they talked about their donors. 12,000 people were served last year, over 12,000, giving out 650,000 pounds of food. But I know this is the result of many years of labor. So Carol, what motivated you to start Our Place Community Outreach in the early 80s? Well, now you're asking me at 86 to look back to 1982 <laughs> and remember all this. So I'll give my, my best. I was assigned pastor of St. Joseph's Church in Spokane by Bishop Skillstead. And I was to live in the rectory, and that in itself was an experience. And so uh, right behind me, almost in a triangle, was uh, Grace Baptist Church and Salem Lutheran Church. Down the block, about half a block away, was Episcopal Church. And so the three churches, Grace Baptist, Salem, and I, uh, we decided that we needed to get together because I couldn't tell someone would come to my door and want $5. I don't know if they went to the other two also or before or after. And so we decided we needed to plan, plan how we're going to take care of this. And so we started out uh, by um, soliciting uh, volunteers from each of these four churches to discuss how we were going to accomplish this. The Episcopal Church had an old building, an old house, uh, next to it, and it was rickety, rickety stairs going up, rickety stairs in the basement coming up, and all the food was in the basement, clothing was upstairs, and so forth. So they gave us the, um, the building, and before we could start, uh, one of the suggestions was that we experience services at these churches and meet the people who would be volunteers so that we could work together. And so each church chose 12 volunteers from each of these churches to start. And so we met many times in, in the planning and were able to... Uh, function in this old old building with older people climbing up the steps, carrying the food from the basement and so forth. That went on for quite a while. 
Eventually, in that time, we also added another church, the Presbyterian Church, Westminster. So uh, we were moving quite along. The Sisters of the Holy Name support this place, and I was privileged to name it our place because that's what I feel it is, a place for people who can come and, and find out, have the values of hospitality and kindness and the core values that we have as the Sisters of the Holy Names, the full development of the human person and commitment commitment to those in need. So that was the beginning of it. And uh, later, Sister Ann Pizzello took my place. And at that point, the um, a parishioner gave a bequest to the church, which was used to uh, buy a current building that they're using now. Oh, that is amazing how it just came together with the churches and everyone had the same idea of respect and caring and meeting the needs and Mm -hmm. how it totally ties in with the Holy Name's mission of hospitality. So thank you, Carol. Carol, you mentioned the core mission and and our uh, the Holy Name Sisters' commitment to the full development of the human person. Can you, and either one of you or both of you, talk a little bit more about that, about the core mission of our place ministries and how the commitment of the Holy Name Sisters to the full development of the human person. Can you speak a little bit more to that or have we covered it? Well, I'd like to say as you hear more, that the Our Place is a place of hope because we're trying to meet the needs of people in a neighborhood that is very poverty-stricken. It's one of the most, I think, is still in Spokane area, and um, Joan will talk about that. But the sisters have always, part of their charism is to reach out to the poor and to those in need as well as uh, help them along the way. And this education is part of that. And so I feel that the sisters who have volunteered, who continue to volunteer, and the the, um, Holy Names community that helps fund it every year uh, shows that we have a commitment to our core values. Wonderful. Thank you, Carol. Joan, did you want to add anything to that? You know, I would like to just make this simple couple sentences that express exactly what the mission of our place is. And it's already printed up several times and it's hung in every single one of the departments of our building so that it's always before our eyes. Our place community ministries at West Central Christian Outreach respectfully welcomes and supports our neighbors in improving the quality of their lives. Nothing could be more congruent with a statement from our dedicated Sisters of the Holy Names of Jesus and Mary that says, we are dedicated to the full development of the human person through education, social justice, contemplation, and the arts. And I, I just, it, it just resonates perfectly. Thank you. That's a starting point. We could jump off right there. 
That's right. And you'll be talking, both you and Carol will be talking more about some of the more specific services and programs that you have. But it, it's just so wonderful because you, Carol, at the beginning saw the needs in your neighborhood, in, in your area there, and collaborated with other churches, which is so, so important to meet the needs of the people in the area in which you live. We've talked a little bit about our place. So can you be more specific about the demographics, some of the people you serve and the area they serve in, what they don't have, what they do have, what they need? We typically served about 400 families per week. We were open three days a week. That allowed us to get to the basics of food, clothing, that includes shoes and coats, we continue, even today, after 20, almost 30 years now that this has been going, that we continue to develop programs for our people based on their input. They tell us what do they need. Our place listens to its neighbors and responds. And that's why it's so trusted right now. And so many people have come and are still coming. Is it time for a story? Sure. Why not? Okay. It's based on the old adage that if you give a man a fish to eat, he'll have food for the day. And you know the other end of it. That if you teach him to fish, he will eat for a life. We had a retired, wonderful, creative staff member. She said, we've got to do something. She believed that adage so much that she started a cooking class on Tuesday morning, one of the days that we were open, for anyone willing to learn to cook and to cook better meals using the food that was supplied by our place, not from, you know, some elite place, from our place. We had Mm -hmm. tons of canned food, bags of rice, bags of this, bags bags of everything, you know, but not pretty not like a grocery store Mm -hmm. but she said okay here's what we're going to do we're going I'm going to come every morning Tuesday and I'm going to come and she went into the donated supplies in the kitchen chose the ingredients wrote the menu demonstrated how to cook the meal then and then she did it and she shared it with the people in the class And what was over, because she's one of these, you know, from the old schools, she built a pot and she would take the extra on paper plates and plastic forks out to the clients that were sitting in the um, reception area waiting for their turn. (laughs) That was something else. She had six women in the class when she started. When I went in the other day, the classroom was filled with men and women. (laughs) who wanted to cook better for their families. And so they, and I would go into the reception and here were all these clients that would come early on Tuesday morning simply to enjoy the meal. They would sit in that reception area and they talked, laughed, shared the highs and lows of their lives. They prayed together. And if that's not community, I don't know what is. And so we looked at the basic need for each other. Thank you. Beautifully said. Thank you. 
it's it's wonderful the services not only the personal services but also that you give to people but also collaborating with other agencies and the the government the local government because that's how we make systemic change so um it's a wraparound service center that's for sure and i think another service that is offered is the hope and the love and the community that that you encourage there and that has been building over the years. So maybe I have a a question. What would you say were the biggest challenges, both at the beginning, Carol, and then as this uh, program has evolved, the challenges and then the success stories? You've referred to a few of those already, uh, but just a couple of them, we'd be very interested in hearing that. Well, one thing I'd like to say is that I think the fact that everybody at our place has to learn to be non-judgmental. And one of the volunteers wrote that people say they're poor, other people say they're poor because they don't have any umph. They don't want to work, they don't want to this. But it's it's easier to blame that than to make changes. And, and if um, poverty is a disease of violence, in its wake, it leaves a trail of stress, trauma, chemical dependency, and even death. It's preventable. And so it's easier to blame than contemplate change, either systemically or individually. Poverty can be a result of racism, misogyny, mental illness, other chronic illnesses, or a gener- generational disease. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Our place is not to be judgmental. All of us have known places of darkness and despair. And as a neighborhood leader said to me, I never know where a person has been or what they've been through. And that's our mantra of the place, of our place. Meeting people where they are and advocating advocating for them where it's needed. Thank you, Carol. Thank you. Everything, (laughs) everything changed with the pandemic. It changed everything that we've said up to this minute. It gripped our country and it dripped the needs of the community and Spokane grew and with the restrictions imposed by the spread of the virus caused most of the small food banks to close, restaurants closed, everything closed. Mm-hmm. Our place stayed the course. It made our place so we you were open. A crisis mode that you would not believe. No one would. We completely remodeled the entire eight. Oh, it's huge. Eight rooms to meet the specifications of distancing. We couldn't have the reception area anymore because they had to be apart from each other. Can you imagine? <laughs> we didn't have six feet for four hundred people, but. We erected tents and tables outside the building, all types of weather. They were up for distribution and greater client access to all foods that were being provided. The added asset was that this gave clients the right to shop like they were going into a grocery store and to make choices about what they wanted their family to have that night for dinner. Do you know that was something we worked on for 10 years and nobody said, no, you can't do that. Yes, we can. And we did. <laughs> and then because of the closure of the restaurants, they enabled us to secure 
additional quality foods for our clients. I mean, they had to undo all their great big warehouses of food and their great big um, refrigerators because it would spoil. So we were uh, on Gravy Street. I mean, we had more food than we knew what to do with. And we also had the equipment to, to preserve it with the great big things that we invested in in the way of great big refrigerators. Mm-hmm. Our alliance with public agencies like Second Harvest, Northwest Harvest, local grocery stores, farmers, the National Guard, local college students aided us greatly by coming in and helping. They didn't have, couldn't go to school, so they came and helped us. What could be nicer? I mean, that was a byproduct for us. We were the winners in the COVID. I don't know what Biden thinks is the winner, but we were. I'll tell you that. <laughs> sure. John, John t- tell about all the potatoes you received. I, I'm going to tell them that right now. Okay. Because of these people that helped us to address these the pandemics, I'll tell you, one day we were so shocked. In come 20 young men dressed in their military fatigues with all kinds of baskets. They came to our rescue and they charge in there in their heavy boots. That's a sound I want them to hear. They, they would, the farmers would literally line up and would dump a truckload of harvested potatoes on the college street. And these young men with their sacks of all kinds would quickly fill them carry them to the waiting cars. There was a spontaneous human response that brought tears to our eyes as each guardsman received a grandma hug of gratitude and joy and a smile of friendship as they drove off. Can you imagine that scene? Santa Claus couldn't have done better. (laughs) Uh, That was truly a remarkable day for us and uh, we just sat and enjoyed it because mm-hmm. we had been ministers of our mission segment and every value that we held was displayed and demonstrated that day and we thanked how, how wonderful uh, Joan so you were open all during the pandemic we were we were that's amazing five Mm -hmm. of 29 but we by far were the central ones how wonderful thank you thank you joan thank you Mm -hmm. and the good thing about that is during the despair of the pandemic and covid and the racial injustice you were a sign of hope and joy and people could smile again and feel loved the number of recipients of our services increased threefold. Daily tallies, as Teresa said, were recorded in over 1,000 per week, believe it, during the entire summer. And it kind of shows that we've made a very big difference to some very important people <laughs> who are very loved by us. Obviously, there was a need, and you met it. Another question I want to ask both of you, especially you, Carol, what sustains, especially in the early days, what sustained your soul as you were wading through the muck and the mud, literally sometimes, 
when you first started and how has that spirit sustained you over the years? Belonging to my religious community with its values that I buy into and also the need. I see when I see needs I I feel that I should try to figure out how we can do that, how we can help some other people. And so it's the creativity in me also that serves uh, that serves me in some of these endeavors. And that in, in itself is its own reward. And to see the results like Joan just mentioned, you know, from a small little project to become what it is now is very um, affirming and rewarding. And it certainly was meant to be by the Spirit. It's so interesting hearing this story of our place, community outreach. And um, it's a perfect example of Holy Name Sisters, Women on a Mission.